0: This is the Happy Rant Sports Podcast, in which Ted Kluck and Barnabas Piper rant about old sports, new sports, sports books, sports movies, and anything else related to sports that they feel like. Enjoy.
1: Welcome to the Happy Rant Sports Podcast. I am Ted Kluck, joined as always by Barnabas Piper and uh, Pipe It's Father's Day. How's your, uh, how's your father's day been? It's been good. I uh, got a gift from the kids this morning
0: and then ate uh, some like apple cinnamon roll gooey things that I got at the Nashville Farmer's Market yesterday. Nice, went to baby. church, went out to eat. Now I'm recording nice. a podcast because the gift of silence is the greatest gift children can give to
1: parents. And so, Absolutely. they're being quiet in another room. And uh, dude, so my what, kid, uh, he just got a nice phone, and he's been texting me like Moneyball quotes for the the last two days. So I feel like <laughs> when your kid's cool, old enough to like be cool enough to text you Moneyball quotes, like that's the that's all the Father's Day gift I need. You and know if, what I mean? Yeah, I mean,
0: and if your kid is texting you at all. That's yeah, that's yeah. good sign number one. And when they're texting you cool stuff like that, it's it's ultra good sign. So yeah, Dude, it seems like things are going going right.
1: You've seen Moneyball, right? I Classic. Have. Classic. Yeah. Yeah, He's sending me good quotes too. Like, uh, like, you know, that old scout with the glasses. Yeah. Uh, like he throws the club head at the ball and when he makes content like he's sending me stuff at that level, you know what I mean? Oh, so it's like,
0: it's like, it's like deep cut, nerdy baseball, deep
1: cut, nerdy money ball. Yeah. Baseball movie talk. So, uh, so yeah, we're enjoying it, man. We're enjoying it.
0: That's fantastic.
1: Yeah, I'm sitting at lunch this morning. He's sitting right next to me, and I get a text, and it's, uh, it's where Billy goes, Chavi, you couldn't hit that bleep with a boat paddle. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is good stuff, man, more of this. This is when parenting gets fun. But uh, Piper podcasting is fun as well, man, and I am uh, I'm excited to have a sports podcast. Uh, there are some business things that help us uh, keep the doors open here at Happy Rant Studios so that we can bring you more sports podcasts. Uh, Why don't you tell us a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, so one of the things that we set up a few months ago is a Patreon account, which uh, basically allows people doing the kind of things that we do, so any sort of content creation. So there are video producers and music producers and podcasters and writers and all sorts of people, Uh, and it allows the people who are fans of that to be financial supporters on a monthly basis. And there's no no limit on what you can do, like either on the bottom or the top end. So we have some people who donate like a dollar a month, And we Mm -hmm. appreciate them, and we have some people who donate like $20 a month, and we appreciate them. And so because the sports podcast is sort of additional to our standard Happy Rant, there's some additional costs that go along with it. And so our supporters enable us to do stuff like this. And so just wanted to put the request out there to our listeners to say, hey, if you have it in your budget uh, to give us a few dollars a month, you can go to happyrantpodcast.com. There's a link there, or you can go to patreon.com and just search Happy Rant. And you can sign up to give. And there are some giving levels we have set up that come with free stuff. So like free books, free um, Lagaris Roasters coffee, depending on what level you're at. So just, uh, you know, we want to we say thank you for giving as well. So just throwing that out there because we love to do this and we will keep doing it. We're not doing it for the money, but there's a cost associated. And if you can help us
1: cover that, it's, uh, it, it benefits everybody, I hope. Absolutely. Or you could just send Seattle Mariner swag to me or Minnesota Twins swag. I mean, swag that doesn't to,
0: help pay the bills, but it, it does doesn't. keep
1: us motivated. It doesn't keep the lights on and the doors open, but it keeps us happy and it, it yes. keeps the talent happy. Sort of
0: keeps it or, the internal is, lights on. Yeah, it keeps, keeps the fire
1: burning bright. Dude, it keeps the fire burning bright. It gets us through the dog days of summer, which, uh, Piper, we have a lot of baseball to talk about yes, because I am now a baseball fan. This is, uh, this is exciting, and I'm, I'm happy to report that like this has taken— um so it's it's socked in now man and uh can I can I just talk a little bit about some of the Mariners stuff that I'm enjoying and you can uh you can lob some questions at me I yeah lob a few I, I would also
0: like to, 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 to you. congratulate you on prescient timing because you managed oh, to jump you managed to jump on as a Mariners I'm not gonna say Mariners bandwagon because I have complete faith that you will stick with them through thick and thin dude um, I will
1: I've been with Syracuse football for like 10 years after doing something like this but
0: so I mean you you managed to pick up the Mariners at the time when they have been the best team in Major
1: League Baseball for like a month or a month and a half now. So, excellent yeah. timing, Ted. Dude, thank you. Yeah, I did. And they are they're on fire and and pipe, I want to talk about just in generalities for a minute and I'll I'll be eager to hear from you on this, but just about sort of the the pace and the rhythm of being a baseball fan is something that I've enjoyed over the last month. So, I've gotten into this rhythm where you know it's summer, so I'm not teaching classes. I am working on a book, but one of the first things I do every morning is uh, is just fire up the game. You can watch these like eight minute condensed games on uh, MLB TV. So I just watch the previous night's Mariners games, and um, you know I run into my TV on the nice big screen, and uh, and I'm I'm watching my team in like eight minutes, and it's a really interesting thing because. I think football fandom and the game of football itself is about these these big bursts, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. you've got one game a week and even on a play-to-play basis in football as a player, you're just you're working yourself up into this fever pitch where you you do this insane thing for a few seconds and then you rest. But I feel like baseball fandom is it's just so consistent. Like, you know, every morning there's a game to look at Nothing that happens in the game, win or loss, like, really moves the emotional needle all that much. But it's just, like, a super pleasant thing to have in my life, if that makes sense. That is true um, between yeah. um, late March and, uh,
0: like, mid-August. If your team okay. is in the playoff race, then then all of a sudden that sort of, like, pleasant rhythm, I mean, it, it's like crickets and cicadas and tree frogs yeah. of summer kind of thing, that shifts... Because, because the playoff push in baseball is is a whole different rhythm, and it doesn't compare yeah. to football in, yeah. because just because of the schedule difference. And I don't mean that one is better than the other; they're just. But like every day does matter when there's a you know you're vying for the last wild card spot or the division lead or whatever it is so give it another month and a half and if seattle is still doing as well as they are now you might not have nothing to worry about because you might be leading the division by 42 games but yeah yeah but that that day-to-day rhythm becomes like you wake up in anticipation of either that night's game because you already saw the one that or, or the one the night prior or to kind of dig into how did they win and like there's just a different level of excitement
1: Dude, totally, man. And I I eagerly anticipate that, and I look forward to it. Can I just talk about a few things that I like about my new team? Yes. Um, Number one, and I think I texted you a picture of this. The first thing I did after I signed with the Mariners, uh, I got online and I purchased a jersey. Uh, It is a powder blue, like late 70s, early 80s vintage Mariners throwback jersey. It fits me perfectly. Um, It is a beautiful jersey. Maybe we can post it on, uh, on social media in the show notes, but... Um, right off the bat, I was very happy with that. I'm happy that the Mariners had a powder blue era. I think I wasn't going to sign with any team that didn't have a little powder blue in their history. So, um, that needed to happen. And dude, there's a, there's a, um, a podcast, a Mariners podcast called the wheelhouse with Jerry DePoto. Uh, Jerry DePoto was their GM. Um, he is of indiscriminate age, but I would put him like just a little bit older than us, but not much um which kind of pisses me off that there's a guy who's like that (laughs) handsome and that successful and makes that much money that's just like a few years older than us but um yeah those those guys
0: seem to be taking over baseball because the first it was theo Theo epstein and then uh, his right-hand man uh who i can't remember but who's the same the same sort of like handsome yeah he looks like some yale
1: harvard grad type of you know preppy dude right these guys look like they should have a like a sweater tied around around their neck they should be on like the stern of a boat and you know the
0: twins have the same thing now. Depoto because they're all they're all of like the analytic generation, and yes. so they yeah they they come out of that sort of like like Billy Bean was the first one I should say because he yeah. was he sort of adopted at first he was still young and handsome at that age now he's middle aged and less handsome um, sure but yeah the 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 young
1: uh, you know the young attractive GM is a thing now. Dude, it is. And this, this is my only regret with not signing with the Tigers because I did like the Ron Garden hire thing because I, li- I like the old Don Zimmer, like fat tobacco spitting, you know, just kind of old school baseball guy motif. I do like that. But, uh, dude, I got to tell you, this DePoto podcast is phenomenal. Um, I feel like just getting up to speed with the Mariners and getting to know kind of the the ethos of the team. So the, the show is weekly. Um, it's hosted by some like in-house Mariners talking head and Depoto, and he just he just lobs all these interesting questions at the GM about player acquisition, about trades that they've made, um, and some fun stuff too, like what's it like to be on the road as a as a player. Depoto was a pitcher in the early nineties. Um, it's just a really really good listen. It's a really fun podcast. A lot of baseball teams will have like you know the newspaper of record in that city will put out a podcast that's basically just a a mashup of you know, highlight audio clips and and post game interviews and stuff, but yeah, and uh, they,
0: they almost like, the the only time those are of value is um you know is, is like the trade deadline and things like that sure. where where they may have they may have information, some information but for the yeah. most
1: part, those are really boring. Oh, they are. They're really really boring, which is why you know this depoto thing is is so nice. And I think you know there are very few GMs that could pull off talking about what they do with the same sort of panache that they actually do what they do. And uh, he's one of the one of the rare ones that can do it. So I'm really enjoying that just from a from a fan standpoint. Uh, Another Mariners thing I really like. uh, We have a second baseman named D Gordon and D Gordon wears stirrups. So D Gordon, when I see him on the field, just the way his uniform hangs on him uh, he reminds me of Willie Mays Hayes from uh, the movie Major League from the '80s. <laughs> did you ever see Major League? Yeah, yes. of course you did. Yeah, that's a rhetorical question. But uh, D Gordon reminds me of our of our very own Willie Mays Hayes, and uh, and he wears the stirrups with pride, which uh, is a thing that I like. So fun fun fact about two fun facts about D Gordon. His father yeah. was
0: Tom Gordon, also known as Flash Gordon, who was yep. a uh had a very strong major league career as both the starter and reliever for a number of teams but i think specifically kind of boston made his name so was known for having a killer curveball his younger brother uh plays uh his name is nick i believe is the twins number one or two prospect at shortstop no kidding yes so he will likely be up with the twins this year so our two favorite teams have some family connections
1: Dude, that's so interesting. Can we can we put a pin in that for a second and just and just talk like deep dive D. Gordon stuff? So the name D. Gordon, and without doing any Google searches, I like I feel like there's been a D. Gordon in every professional sport. Didn't one of them like win the dunk contest in the nineties for the that Celtics? Was, that was D. Brown. But D Brown. Okay. Yeah. When yeah, he, my
0: bad. My was bad. he no, that was Cedric Sabalos who did the shirt over his head thing, right? That was Cedric Sabalos. What did D well, Gordon no. do? No, Cedric Sabalos... One of them did the I think one of them did the headband over the eyes, the other one did the shirt over the head, I think, but I could be okay. wrong about
1: that. No, you're right. It was some eyes obscured thing for both of them. But uh but I, I yeah, I don't remember what the what the means was, as it were. But uh And there's definitely dude, been a couple
0: a couple of D's with sort of innocuous last names in the in football as well in very recent years. And I can't I mean again, it's innocuous, so I can't remember them all, but
1: Yeah, for there. sure. Dude, so staying on the name thing and staying in the infield. Uh, our shortstop is called Gene Gene Segura, and I, li- and I like and that it is
0: Gene. A... It's not like Jean. It's no, it's Gene. not
1: Jean. It's Gene, which is so great because it's like a 1980s mom name. Um, I, I love that we have a player named Gene Segura.
0: Yeah, I mean, when, when I was in high school, I think all of my friends had moms named Nancy or Gene.
1: Dude, Nancy, Gene, Judy. Gene, yeah, yeah, these yep. are these are, yeah, there are some Judy's. Great eighties mom names, yeah, Carol. Oh, dude, yeah, I had like three Carol's in my life, man, amazing. Um, so I, I'm I'm really enjoying the infield based on D Gordon and G Gene Cigler. Also, can- they're both really good players. They're very very good players. Very fun to watch, dude. You could make the argument that D and Gene were both nineteen eighties mom's names. You know, D would be a little bit less prevalent, but I I, I remember their are I there feel being like D was the like the fun mom. Yeah, and Jean
0: was like the 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 steady hand mom.
1: Yeah, like D, like Dee's real name was Dorothy, but she went by Dee because she was fun, and she was the she was like the kind of mom that wouldn't just take you to the public pool in the summer. She would like drive the extra forty five minutes to go to like a water park. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all the and all the other moms didn't didn't really
0: like d very much she was a little you know every time there was a dinner party she was one glass of wine too many kind of thing she was
1: one glass of wine too many she knew she knew the words to like pop songs that she would listen to on the radio in the car and she wouldn't butcher them you know what i mean that's 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 the kind of game that d was was bringing to the table in the 1980s which is why we all loved her and we probably had a little bit of a crush on her yeah a little bit for sure Yeah, yeah not to take it to a creepy place but um, back to baseball pipe, back to, uh, back to the, yeah, en- en- enough, with the
0: enough with the Oedipus complex. Let's yeah.
1: It. Yeah. I mean, I could, we, I could talk about eighties moms all day long, but, uh, I digress. Um, we have, we have some great players on the Mariners. We have some guys who are just having incredible seasons. Uh, Mitch Hanniger in left field, Nelson Cruz in right field. Okay. Can we stop for timeout real quick? Yeah.
0: Yeah. If I had just put the name, so before you picked a team, I said, "All right, one of the top 2 or 3 hitters on your your this perspective team's name is Mitch Haniger." Yeah. Would that have been an attractive trait or would that have
1: been a what? That team sucks kind of thing. Dude, it would have been attractive, but I'll tell you why. It would have been attractive because my best friend in the 80s in childhood whose mom's name was Judy, um his name was Mitch. So, like, I, I have a I have a soft spot for all Mitches. So the fact that one of Seattle's best players is Mitch Hanniger, who's, you know, definitely going to be an All Star, I think, and could could maybe be AL MVP. I mean, he's having that he's kind of in, a season. He
0: is en fuego right now. I just oh, he's en fuego. Yeah. If, if I told you the name Mitch Hanniger, you'd be like, oh, he plays. He's the defenseman for the Detroit Red Wings. Like that's defenseman that for is, the Red
1: Wings. Or that's he's not a left like Fielder's name. No, it's not a left fielder's name. It's like a it's like a bullpen catcher's name. Yes, I was you know gonna what say I mean?
0: backup catcher.
1: Backup catcher, he's sitting like ninth in the order, Mitch Haniger. Yeah, nothing nothing special there. But um yeah, very special player, having a really, really nice season. Um I like Mitch Hanniger. I also like our teal jerseys. Um and I, don't, I don't even know if I call it teal, but there's a there's an alternate jersey that the Mariners wear that's that's kind of like I guess it's all teal. Uh, but it looks really nice. It looks really good with the gray pants. Um, I feel like it looks good with white pants.
0: It and, and it uh, works because
1: it's Seattle. Like it, it works because it, it's Seattle. It, exactly. If it,
0: you know, if if like uh, Kansas City tried to do something like that, or like Atlanta, like they're just like city, Cleveland. Yeah, they're, know, they're just work. cities where that doesn't work. But like the Pacific Northwest is all blues and greens in people's
1: mind anyway. So teal sure. is
0: it's kind of the perfect alternate jersey.
1: Dude, it really is. So, like, all of this to say, Pipe, I'm really enjoying this team, man, and I'm really enjoying uh, baseball fandom. So, what are your uh, feelings about Nelson Cruz? Because I feel like you might have
0: developed a major crush on his swing by now.
1: Dude, yeah, Nelson Cruz is a beast. Um, I'm enjoying Nelson Cruz. Like, I, my thing though is I always tend to kind of go the other way, and I, I get into the weird, like, offbeat players um a little bit more than the than the big time player so like i'm i'm a little bit more sort of like i'm really into wade leblanc as a pitcher as opposed to like james paxton <laughs> paxton is the paxton's like the marquee guy in the in the, the pitching staff but like wade leblanc is is the more interesting yeah, guy the, to me the the uh slight lefty who throws 89
0: miles an hour and is still just destroying people this year dude somehow. right like he.
1: Dude, he he won last night against the Red Sox and he was throwing like eighty four miles an hour. And I'm just like, How is this a thing? And he and his his picture is great too. Like he just looks like a dude who you would have gone to high school with. You know yeah, what I mean? When he, he looks like a Wade
0: LeBlanc. Like you hear that he name does. again, you're like, you know, he probably played high school tennis, you know? Absolutely. And, and, totally looks like and, a Wade LeBlanc. And instead he's a successful major league pitcher. The exactly. reason I brought up Nelson Cruz coach so I'm I have a I have a, a bit of a Nerd aspect about me about yeah. like favorite swings.
1: Just oh interesting, because interesting.
0: You know everybody. You know you got like Ken Griffey Jr. classic beautiful swing, etc. But yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Nelson Cruz isn't is a weird one because he doesn't move his feet. Yeah, you're right. Dude. And and he just you know and he, the ball. he got good as a hitter. Like he he broke out in his late twenties because he's like mid thirties yeah. now, but he's hit. Like thirty-eight to forty-eight home runs every year for the last seven years or something like that. Yeah, and he just he swings like he's like he's swinging a sledgehammer. Dude, it do- exactly. Doesn't move his feet. Doesn't look. I mean, and you'd think he would hit like two forty with that swing because it just right. looks sort of. And and he hits you know high two hundreds, close to three hundred. And he's just he. I love watching him hit because he he just has the weirdest right-handed swing and just mashes.
1: Yeah, he really does, man. You know what it reminds me of? So, again, growing up, this is kind of like a like a throwback episode to the '80s. But um, we had this guy in my hometown who was like a high school football star. His name was Bobby Banter, and uh, Bobby Banter was a few generations ahead of me. Like like he played high school football in the '70s. Uh, but by the time I was like of age and I was a kid and I was like going to parks and stuff, Bobby Banter was like a like a softball legend in our town. Um, and by that time, he was, like, pushing three bills weight-wise. He would come up to, come up to bat in, like, a pair of cutoff jean shorts and, mm-hmm. like, a, like a, a pair of pony turf shoes, right, with a big chaw tobacco on his lip. And his, his swing was, was very much like Nelson Cruz's in that there was, no, there was no real movement in the lower half, but he just mashed the ball. And, you know, it was enough to make him a local legend in our uh, in our very small pond. But Nelson Cruz obviously doing it on a uh, on a much higher level. I feel like we have a great closer to pipe and Edwin Diaz. Oh Goodness, he's he's just disgusting. That's what he, he is means. disgusting, he's dude. Filthy. He's filthy. Like he closed out the Red Sox last night. Uh, our setup guy that we got from uh, that we got from Tampa Bay in that trade. The trade happened right after I became a fan, so we got Denard Span and Alex Colomé is the other guy. So who um, who I think led the American
0: League in saves last year. So not that like saves is a relatively meaningless stat, but leading the league means you had a good year at some level. Sure. And uh, so they pick yeah to pick those guys up for sort of like B level prospects was a right. it was a nice little pickup after your star second baseman got
1: busted for uh, cheating. Dude, right, Which is sort of, it's
0: like the only black spot on this year is that and a couple injuries.
1: It really is. Can we talk about that for a second, Pipe, from a fan standpoint? So how do you feel about, how do you feel about a player after he's been nicked for performance-enhancing drugs? Does this change your opinion of a player at all? No.
0: Me neither. I'm staunchly of the opinion that they should just allow performance-enhancing drugs in general um, because to draw the line between, you know, like, they, they give this bogus designation where they're like, you know, we can replace your ACL with the ACL from a dead human. Yeah, you we know, can which, put
1: a human cadaver's, we, like, body see, see, same thing, like Every pitcher who yeah. has
0: Tommy John has artificial things done to their arm. Right. And they come back, and a lot of them bounce back stronger. Some of them struggle. But, like, it's an artificial thing done. A, per- a performance-enhancing procedure. But... If you take any any like testosterone, any perform, and not, you know any steroids, any whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. it is, um, growth hormones, you you get busted and you're out. What is it? I think it's eighty games. Your first suspension, a full season. Your second, and out of the league. Your third, or something like that. Yeah, it's and, crazy. and it's just it's just a stupid arbitrary designation because it just doesn't make any sense to me. Now, I, I can understand if they had specific drugs that they're like these are unhealthy for you. You know, right, right, right. these, these steroids are bad for you, whatever that's, I understand it. Or if it's illegal, that's also a good reason not to do things, but, sure. but he took, um, Robinson and we're talking about, he yeah. took a diuretic, which is yeah. known as a masking agent for other performance enhancing things. So people take it to hide sure. other things in their blood system or to flush it out of their system faster. Yeah. And, um, and he got busted for it and he's been. A like a respected player and a yeah. really good player whose body hasn't changed between the age of like 22 and 34. So mm. there's no sign of anything. And he's out for 80 games. And I just think it's stupid. I hate baseball's drug policy.
1: Dude, I'm with you 100 percent. And it's it's crazy because I mean, if you are a gross old man with like a little bit of money in your pocket, you can go to one of these anti-aging clinics and get steroids and growth hormone and all that stuff like Right off the street anyway i mean it's it's crazy, and I'll tell you this too Pi this is, we're gonna break a little news on the program here today um if I wasn't like married with kids, I would for sure take steroids um it, It's only the fact that like my wife would freak out that I'm not doing it because <laughs> I mean I'm just fascinated by it like the idea that you can enhance your performance, that you can stave off aging, that you could be stronger, faster, bigger, whatever like
0: well, that's. And the majority of them, especially for guys in their 30s, are recovery because these guys are playing a game every Absolutely. day. They're flying from place to place. They're sleeping. In a, I mean, yes, it's a bit of a luxurious existence in one sense, but it's a strain on the body. And they it take is. it f- to recover so their bodies yeah. can bounce back. And that's, yeah. that is it, you know, especially when you get to June, July, August – that's a major advantage because you're seeing things better, you're feeling better. You just have that extra that extra fraction of a second in your swing, a little bit
1: of pop, a little yeah. bit of
0: sharpness. Because because you, you're talking hundreds of seconds to recognize pitches and hit these, and so it, it, yeah, it's an advantage. But yeah, it it should be, like they should just level the playing field and be like, yeah, you can like here's or they should expand what is allowed. That's what Dude, they right. should like. Do. Here's
1: a list of what you can use under yeah. a doctor's supervision or whatever. Yeah, um, I agree. I agree. I also, I mean,
0: we're gonna. I'm gonna just go ahead and stir the pot. I think everybody who has ever been suspected or busted for performance enhancing drugs uh, should be eligible for the Hall of Fame. And like Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, all those guys should be in it. Barry Bonds is one of the top three hitters of all time. Roger Clemens is a top three pitcher of all time. The fact that they're not yeah. in the Hall of Fame makes the Hall of Fame a, a Hall of Jokes. Like it's just dumb. Yeah, it's I mean, like a, it's a half perfect. Hall of Fame.
1: Yeah. Dude, speaking of halls of fame, man. Just to digress for a second, what do you think of Terrell Owens like not showing up for his Hall of Fame induction or announcing that he's not going to?
0: (laughs) It's the most Terrell Owens thing ever. Dude, it's so the most Terrell Owens thing. Oh, they're going to honor me? Guess what? I can make this even more about me. Guess what? I'm going to thumb my nose nose at it. People off, yeah. Like it just absolutely. Of, of, I mean, did did he give a reason? Was it because he wasn't first ballot? Like, what was his beef, or is it just him being him?
1: It's just him being him I okay. think. And and what's awesome about it is that like he will do it and then there will be backlash and then he'll get offended about the backlash. Like he'll he'll be a real toddler about it, which is which is what makes it all the more entertaining to me, but And he'll
0: do interviews uh, while doing like sit-ups on a bench press bench in his driveway in Malibu or wherever. You remember when he did that? I think it was during in a the house that he's a- about to foreclose on. Yeah, he yeah. just Yeah, it would and then there was the whole was it Drew Rosenhaus? as his agent? Was he the guy who Rosenhaus was just doing the next question thing about? Remember I that think when, so. when it was like next yeah. question, like, he, every question that came his way, he was just next question, next question, next so. question. I think so. It was a little bit. It was. It was. It was like the original version of Marshawn Lynch saying, "I'm just here so I don't get fined," as in yeah. sort of great press conference moments.
1: It was like a less charming version of that though, because when To did it, everybody's like, "Ah, oh, this guy's an idiot." But when Marshawn did it, it was like. This guy is kind of charming and kind of cool, and you know he's kind of thumbing his nose at this whole thing, but in a good-natured way. Um, I don't know, different guys, different different outcomes. Yeah. But the other the other to thing is that I guess he reached out to some teams. He's trying to make a comeback. Uh, I don't know how old he is, but um, he, should go, he should go
0: play with Johnny Manziel.
1: Dude, he should. That how, would be interesting. How amazing would that be? Yeah, that would be really amazing. Should we should we use that as a segue into our Manziel moment? That I. I was trying to tee that up. You honest. you were trying to tee it up. That's good radio, <laughs> Piper. That's really good radio. So, uh, week one of the Canadian Football League schedule is in the books, and I'm happy to report that, with the exception of one half of the last game uh, that aired this weekend, I've watched every minute of every CFL game. Um, so I'm I'm well up to speed on this. I'm ready to talk about it. Um, breaking news out of uh, out of Hamilton: Manzel did not play um rode the bench which was expected but the starting quarterback there uh struggled so he struggled a little bit jeremiah masoli is his name he came after marcus mariota at oregon so say that sound that sounds
0: like uh that sounds like an oregon quarterback if my memory serves me right so he's that's another sort of dual
1: threat guy he's a dual threat guy he runs a lot ironically like he and Manziel are pretty similar in terms of their skill sets so they're both shorter guys uh, they both like to to kind of wait for the play to break down and then make something happen. But um, Masoli threw an ugly pick to end the game. Um, the the pick was they were driving and a score. I think a score would have put them ahead, but he threw a really ugly pick in that and that sealed it for the other team. So um, so tough outing for Jeremiah Masoli. Uh, still waiting for our first John Manzel regular season appearance in the CFL, but uh, but I'm excited. And is there uh, is
0: there any word on potential quarterback controversy, or has the coach sort of has he given the ill fated
1: vote of confidence to Masoli? Dude, he's kind of given the vote of confidence to Masoli, but this is the same coach that said. You know he wanted to sign Manziel so badly because Manziel could literally be like the best quarterback in the history of the CFL. This is what June Jones said about him in the offseason before they signed him. So, uh, some mixed messages coming out of uh, out of Hamilton. Uh, something to, something to keep an eye on here, Piper, as the CFL season progresses. Do you think? Do you think there's anyone that listens to this program that even remotely cares about the CFL those is, is is my question. Uh, I would like to know actually. So I'm I'm putting this out there. This is an APB to our listenership. Well, I
0: can I can tell you that when we put out the call on the standard happy rant for um potential, you know, live in Canada, we did get about a half a dozen responses from people saying, mm-hmm. "Hey, would love to help you put this on." Now the problem is Canada's enormous and they lived in like every different province, but um I, that tells me that we have a quorum of Canadian listeners, and yeah. and
1: some of them might like Canadian football. Who knows? Dude, reach out. If you like Canadian football and you're listening to this program, um, reach out. I don't know where it will lead, but, uh, but we want to build a little community here at Happy Rant Sports around uh, the CFL and around the Manziel Minute. Uh, but let me be clear, Pipe. My, my CFL fandom is not tied to Johnny Manziel. That just makes it more interesting. But uh, but I am all in on the CFL, whether or not Manziel's involved. I just like uh, I like the product. I like the presentation of the product. It's not a soap opera. Um, there's no politics involved. I mean, it's just very straightforward football. And, yeah, it's uh, it's the highest level of football that seems
0: untainted by, um, you know, like recruiting, like anything that bring, that money brings, you know, so you've got recruiting, yeah. you've got free agency, you've got prima donnas because it's. Yeah. It's it's high level football. Yeah, uh, there's none of like the college coach diva ishness, you know, so so no, yeah. no Nick Saban's or Urban Myers or whoever's yep. there's there's no like NCAA ruining everything by being the worst organization in history. Um, <laughs> yeah. And there's none of the NFL like can't get out of its own way by doing really stupid PR things. Yeah. And so and there's no oversaturation. There's yeah. no there. there's not too many franchises. Nobody's too rich. <laughs> exactly. Which means yeah, that people right. are there to play football, because I think every I have to imagine every one of those players is there for one of two reasons. They love football or if they're yep. at the top levels, they it's the only chance to get to the NFL or back to the NFL once you're out of
1: college. Dude, yeah. And and that's the cool thing about the CFL, though. And I don't know if, if this is like a directive from the league, but you know, when they, when they interview the players, it's not all like, I want to get back to the NFL. You know, there, there are guys that seem to like genuinely enjoy playing in Canada. And and there are definitely guys in that league that from a talent standpoint could be in the NFL, you know, like a Daron Carter, Chris Carter's kid plays for Saskatchewan, Uh, James Wilder jr. Is the son of, of James Wilder who played for the bucks in the eighties. I mean, these are, these are elite players who would be, you know, I've got to think they would be starters in the, in the league, but um, you know, they're, they're not talking in every interview about, I can't wait to get out of here and, and get back to the NFL. You know, there seems to be an appreciation for the league, the culture, um, you know, the playing experience in, in Canada. So, uh, it's just a fun product, man. Fun, uh, fun league to watch. Uh, I'm enjoying it. I'm, I'm glad it's back. And I, I have to give a little plug to, uh, some friends of mine, North of the border, uh, Travis cura and Brazilian tie. They run the best, uh, CFL podcast. It's called the Two and Out CFL podcast. Um, they mentioned me on <laughs> it one that, time. That's a
0: great name.
1: <laughs> yeah, Two and Out CFL podcast is great, man. They do a uh, they do a week preview and a week recap. Uh, they run down all the games. And and the other thing they do in the Two and Out that I love is uh, the stadium culture in Canada. Like unique food items are a big part of it. So uh, every week it seems like they'll run down a uh, a unique item of food that you can get in uh in the stadiums in the cfl and it sounds without uh, it sounds trying to put
0: you on the spot because i realize it's always tough to remember things when, when people yeah. ask their questions and do any come to mind from recent episodes that you were like man that sounds disgusting Dude, or do. amazing or whatever
1: yeah one one absolutely comes to mind and i think it's in Saskatchewan. they do like a like a foot-long polish sausage with pierogies on top. So, you know, pierogies are like that pasta thing with like potatoes on yeah. the inside, and you put gravy over it. Yep. Uh, it just sounds amazing. So, like a foot long Polish sausage with pierogies on top. I don't even know how one would would go about eating that, but uh, but I, I've got to think with a, a smile. Great with a smile, absolutely, absolutely. So, Piper, speaking of a smile, and speaking of athletes that we remember fondly. Uh, our last topic for today is uh, athletes whose careers ended too soon. So uh, as we think back on our, our sports, on our sports fandoms, uh, I'm sure we can all think of guys who we just wanted to see more of. Uh, and for whatever reason, their careers uh, were ended prematurely. So who comes to mind for you in this category, Pipe? Let's, uh, let's throw a few names out there.
0: Yeah, so I as I was thinking about this, I felt like it could go kind of a couple routes. There's the guys whose careers were just like abruptly cut short, like yeah. um, Terrell Davis, for example. Sure. Um, oh yeah. Who was great? I think one. He, had a, I think he had a six-year NFL career, was the best running back in the league for half of that, yep. And then was gone. I think degenerative knee condition was was it. And then there's guys like say Grant Hill, who were spectacular for yep. half his career brutal injury extended his career well into his 30s but was just sort of a role player thereafter. So yeah, I it was like never the same. Both fit the bill cuz like their career as a star was finished because of injury. Um yeah. so those are two guys who came to mind. But but the uh, the the one guy who came to mind, the guy who actually inspired me to send you the question was Kerry Wood, the p- oh, pitcher for dude, the Cubs. yeah. Because Kerry Wood, man, overpowering. Yes, this is the 20-year anniversary of his 20-strikeout game. You know, so they were showing highlights, and I just,
1: dude, are you serious? It's been 20 years since that. Judas H. Priest.
0: Oh, so struck out 20 Astros, and not just this was not like a scrub Astros. This was the Bagwell, Biggio, Derek Bell, just loaded team, um, and he just destroyed them at Wrigley Field 20 years ago in May. I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and then, you know, so he pitched really, really well. And then but he was he was just worked just, you know, it was kind of an era before they they cared about pitcher protection. And Dusty Baker was known to even overwork his pitchers a little bit more than the average guy. Yeah. And then he was just done like he he retired because he's only he's only 40 now. That's incredible, and there are pitchers who are still pitching at forty, and guys like oh, absolutely. Jamie, like Bartolo Colon's forty-four. Now, granted, he's he's an exception to every pitching rule, but but uh, yeah. but I mean, Kerry Wood, we we lost twelve years of a career potentially, because, I know, man. because of injury, and uh, so yeah, it's he was the one who uh,
1: he was the one who came to mind, and that's a he great, was so one.
0: overpowering and amazing to watch.
1: That's a really great one to start the list with, and I remember about that like. There was this really fascinating and and kind of tragic dialogue every year about Kerry Wood's level of readiness, you know, and there were all there were always all these features about, you know, what did Kerry Wood do in the offseason and how his arm is feeling. And there was always this tinge of of hopefulness like this could be the year that we get back to like the real Kerry Wood, but it never happened. And um, yeah, that's a that's a common refrain in sports. But uh, that's a great one to start us off with. So I have a couple from a similar era. These are both quarterbacks. They're both uh, NFC North type quarterbacks. Um, The first one is Jim McMahon. And I realized that Jim McMahon had kind of a long career, but he really only had like a three or four year window of being truly elite. So people forget that Jim McMahon was like an NCAA record setter as a passer at BYU. So he came out of that Lavelle Edwards BYU situation where he just threw the ball all over the field, uh, came to the Bears 83 84 85 had really good seasons um but then really after that just had trouble staying healthy and I don't think he ever played a full 16 games after that um he may have never played a full 16 games in his career to be honest but uh Jim McMahon was one who if he had been able to stay healthy I think he would have been a very special quarterback the other one and this one's kind of an alternate Brett Favre history is what if Don Makowski had stayed healthy so, Mikowski was the quarterback in Green Bay that that got Wally Pipped by Brett Favre. Uh Let's just say, went, As a Vikings fan, I wish he had because Brett Favre made me miserable for a long long time. Dude, right. So, those Packer teams kind of sucked. Like they were bad teams and Mikowski was like the the little flicker of hope. He was he was kind of a run around guy, kind of a playmaker, a little bit Manzielian in terms of you know what he would do but Packer fans I remember got really excited about the magic man was his nickname Don Mikowski. he had a great blonde 80s mullet um was was kind of a cool looking dude looked good in the uniform and uh then he goes down and the rest is history you never you never see or hear from Don Mikowski again so um it would have been interesting to see how the how the Packer experience would have been different had Brett Favre remained a backup he probably would have just like Gained twenty pounds every year, eating cheese and drinking beer in Wisconsin, and, and he would have been a guard by the end of his career, maybe. But uh, <laughs> those are, those are two that that are
0: interesting to me. And I, I've I got guarantee, more. if you asked him, he could uh, he would have said, "Yeah, I can play guard." Absolutely, man. Absolutely. I've got some more, but I want to hear uh, I want to hear a couple from you, Pipe. I think so. Here's an under uh, here's an under 81 for NBA fans, um, Brandon Roy. Okay, former interesting. Shooter, so he played shooting guard for uh, the Portland Trailblazers. He was drafted out of the University of Washington. And when he came yep. into the league, everybody knew he had <clears throat> no cartilage in his knees. Yeah. And he was a spectacular basketball player. But he was sort of like James Harden version 1.0. The current James Harden is 2.0, where he was, he was a big-bodied, super strong, played the angles, great passer. He wasn't as athletic as Harden is. Um, Not quite as explosive, but averaged 20 points a game, averaged a bunch of assists. You know, he's sort of a triple double threat every game. And I think he only played about seven years. Uh, The Timberwolves signed him as a free agent, or maybe they traded for him. I think they signed him. You know, he played like 25 games with him and then washed out because he, he could no longer run or jump, which are relatively important in basketball. Those are both rather key to basketball. But the thing that killed me was like, if he had good knees. Yeah. He could have played till he was forty because he was an angles player, and a, and he was so smart, pretty good shooter. He would have been able to play forever because he, you know, he wasn't. He didn't rely on elite athleticism, and instead, we only got a few good years
1: of him, and then yeah, you know, R.I.P. Brandon Roy. Dude, I uh, I'm glad you mentioned that man because that's a sports thing. That's a sports storyline that I love, where teams are just like. We're so in love with this player that, in spite of all the medical red flags, like we're just going for it. You know what I mean? Well, like we're P- just. Portland especially is good at that. Over the years, they've
0: uh, they Im- are imagine they, they. I mean, they had they it, had Bill Walton at one point. They Sam Bowie, Sam Bowie, uh, yeah. which was not a great pick. Greg Oden over Kevin Durant also. Oh not my a goodness,
1: great pick. yes, dude, this is the Portland thing. Portland specializes in this. This is their mo. So who's who's defective in this year's NBA draft that they can like sink their future into? Uh, well, here's the Just thing: play. they've
0: been good enough now that like it has to be a top five pick for it to matter. And they, you know, they're a playoff right. team, so they're you know yeah, they're picking yeah, in like true. their 20s, and so it doesn't matter. Um, exactly. But, but yeah, they've they've uh, they've had a few winners over the years of guys like Greg Oden is that is actually what it was one of the guys on my list because he. I mean, I think everybody knew he was going to have injury problems. Yeah. But I don't think anybody expected him to play, you know, 11 games and then just disappear. And Dude, he was right. he was just done. and he was such a I mean, it was back when big men really mattered. And yeah. he was, you know, he was seven, two or seven, three. He was still sort of growing. He was an elite shot blocker. He, he was built like an athlete, not sort of yeah. minute bullish or Sean Bradley ish. He had the and, face of an eighty-year-old man, yeah. though, like the chief Robert Parrish, which is oh, kind yeah. of an interesting. This guy was eighteen, going on seventy-four. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, exactly. Uh, yeah. So, and then, and just he's a hard one to talk about because, like, his NBA career never even really got started, but it—he it, clearly washed out
1: early. Dude, I like that one because he was kind of right at the end of the big men mattering era. You know, I mean, really, after Greg Oden washed out. Um, that was kind of the end of it, you know. That was the end of the traditional center, you know, the traditional like seven foot plus. Like, well, yeah, because then know. then LeBron went to Miami, and they showed
0: yeah. that you can win with an undersized team full of explosive wings and shooters. And, Absolutely. And then Golden State perfected it. Um, the last team that thrived with a like was really really good with a big man was that like the Orlando Magic uh, Dwight Howard team. Yeah. Where, but again, it was him and four shooters, and so he just you know cleaned up all the misses and stuff. But yeah, it,
1: dude. Was... So in an alternate universe, if Greg Oden stays healthy, um, has some success in Portland, do you think we're still living in an environment where like standard big men are are valued? You know what I mean? Like I, I just wonder how it would have changed like trend. Thinking in the NBA, I mean LeBron still probably would have gone to Miami and and yeah, I mean talk. I
0: That's, I think I think the same
1: I think the point. same move would have happened because the main reason it happened was just because
0: of math. People yeah. realized that oh we get we get more points. Uh, <laughs> three points is worth fifty percent more than two points, and yeah. so you can shoot thirty five percent on threes and it's like hitting half your twos, and and the just the geometry of the game shifts. Not to mention that they changed defensive rules and that you know that made it a little bit. They made it a little bit harder for both um, big men on defense and big men on offense. And so now you get like – there's big men still really matter. They just matter in a different way, and there's not any who you're like just throw it to him in the post and they're going to Shaquille O'Neal, the other team, into oblivion.
1: Dude, right. They matter in a different way. They have different skill sets. So, yeah, the big man has kind of evolved, but, um, but it hasn't gone away. So I, I have another one. I have another football one. Um, this guy is actually still playing, so I don't know if he qualifies for the list per se, but um, – it's RG3, Robert Griffin the 3rd. And I feel I, like for I all think he
0: qualifies because to say that he's still playing is sort of a It's kind of a reach. sort of a loose know?
1: definition of playing. Right. If by if by he's on a mini camp roster in in April we mean that he's still playing then he is. But uh yeah, so Robert Griffin the 3rd. Dude, people forget. People forget how good he was. People forget how perfect he was for you know the Kyle Shanahan kind of situation that he was in in Washington when he was healthy. Um, this was this was an unbelievable player with a really high ceiling, who could do a lot of things. Um, he had a great arm. He had world class speed. Um, granted, I did write a book about him, so I'm a little bit biased, but um, I would have I would but, have loved to have but seen. But he was everybody's darling as a rookie. He was everybody's darling as a rookie, and his ceiling was so high. I mean, I think. You know, as as time kind of kind of told in terms of, you know, him getting banged up, him being damaged goods, him, you know, rushing back into action too soon. I mean, all these things happened and they all conspired to kind of ruin him, I guess. But, you know, this was still a guy with a freakishly high ceiling.
0: And then he was supposed to be like so Michael Vick broke everything in the early 2000s. And then yeah. Robert Griffin came along, and they're like, "Oh, that's Michael Vick, who can complete sixty-five percent of his passes." You exactly. Know? He and so he he was, I don't know that he was quite Vick as an explosive runner, but I mean, just sort of that 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 total package of athleticism yeah. and passing. And he he was incredible as a rookie.
1: He was. He was incredible. He was de- deployed incredibly. He was used perfectly. Um, you know, from a scheme standpoint, this was, this was an exciting player. And so he gets hurt. He gets rushed back into action. He's never really the same when he comes back. Um, Washington kind of settles for Kirk cousins and the rest is history. You know, Kirk cousins does just well enough to like, never really get the commitment from he he never gets the marriage proposal from Washington. Washington continues to date Kirk cousins and, you know, RG3 kind of bounces around. He gets hurt again last year in Cleveland. Now he's on, now he's with the Ravens on, you know, a, a kind of a backup to the backup sort of deal where, you know, he'll be in the same quarterback room with, with Joe Flacco and Lamar Jackson, which is weird. But, you know, this is a guy that I would have seen. I would have loved to have seen a few more healthy prime RG3, yeah. you know, years. I think it would have been a lot of fun. Yeah, he was. I mean, I think. I think he came along about
0: three years too early because because I mean, it was a a fluke injury, but also teams were not quite at a point of setting a mobile quarterback up to be a real dual threat. Um, They they because he got destroyed. I mean, he he took so many hits, which only Cam Newton does okay taking those hits because he's a 260 incredible Hulk who can throw. Um, and I think it's different now with the way they're used, you know, they're using the run pass option and moving quarterbacks around. Like they're using quarterbacks mobility. Like look at the way Russell Wilson plays and and he doesn't take a lot of hits. Now, granted, Russell Wilson also is better at a very key skill than
1: RG three. And that is sliding RG three was really bad at sliding.
0: But I think, I think if you, I think Russell
1: Wilson's just in general, more nifty as is Lamar Jackson, you know, I I think. I actually think RG3 was more like Vic than Lamar is like Vic in terms of Vic and RG3 were just freakishly fast, straight line runners. Um, you know, but but RG3 didn't necessarily have the niftiness in the broken yeah. field. I mean, you watch Lamar and it's like watching Barry Sanders. You know, it's ridiculous. Like the guy can do everything in terms of changing direction. Yeah. But he, dude, here's an interesting question vis-a-vis RG3. When you look at the landscape Of quarterbacks who have jobs in the league, and I'm talking lower third of the league starters plus backups in a lot of places. Why isn't RG3 like in that discussion more? Because I mean, I look at some of these jokers that have jobs in the league, and I'm just like, you know, the guy was a former, you know, number two overall pick. I mean, He's got this incredible body of work as a rookie. Like, why why hasn't there been... And, and maybe he's a douche. You know, maybe he's just yeah, a
0: I, terrible I think, guy. Well, I think right he had a... I mean, he might be recovering that now because I just read an article the other day, mainly because of my crush on Lamar Jackson, um, yeah. that said RG3 is invested in mentoring him. Now, granted, we're like three weeks into off-season training programs, and so time is early, and think that could still fall apart. But... Yeah. I think he had a reputation for a few years as a guy who still considered himself the number 2 overall pick. You know, he was Mm-mm. he was on par with Andrew Luck. He was this yeah. this great player even when he was no longer such a great player and he was not willing to I think if he had if he had gone to his agent and said, "Just get me on a roster somewhere and I will grind and I'll work." I think he probably would have, you know, found his way into yeah. either either a, a solid backup job or potentially you know competing for a starting job. You know, think about like Houston before yeah. before. Um, why am I blanking? Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson. There, yeah. I was going to say Deshaun Jackson. Yeah. That's a wide receiver. Yep. Um, they they had no quarterbacks. They absolutely right. could have used him, but I don't think he had put himself in that position. Maybe he is now. I hope you know yeah. he's still young enough that he could have another six years in in the league, seven eight years absolutely in the league if he if he can if he can make it work. Yeah, for he, sure. He and, also and he also may have really lost
1: something too. Like he, you know, he sometimes, may have. sometimes yeah. guys get injured and they just never come back. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I mean, you wonder like, does Jacksonville win more games with a healthy? you know, Robert Griffin, the third or with Blake Bortles, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a funny thing. And I realize you can't draw straight lines. You know, you can't make that one-to-one comparison because there's a, a lot more that goes into the job than just, you know, an arm and a set of legs. And it, as we all know, but it is a, it is an interesting thing to think about pipe. Any other compelling names on your list of, of careers that ended too soon? Yeah, I've got, I've got two others and they're very similar players in
0: different sports. Interesting. them um, on me. One is Johan Santana, who was... So, Johan Santana was the Twins ace pitcher for five or six years in the early 2000s. He won Mm -hmm. two Cy Youngs. He should have won three, but Fat Bartolo Colon stole one from him because (laughs) it was back when they really cared about wins. Colon had like 150 strikeouts and a 350 ERA, but he won 20 games. Johan won 16 Mm -hmm. games with like a 2.0 ERA and 280 strikeouts and didn't win because... The media is dumb. Um, then he got the twins didn't think they could resign him. So they traded him to the Mets at the peak of his powers yeah. and he blew out his shoulder. And mm-hmm. I mean, he was, he was just, he was a dominant pitcher and he was also the kind of dominant pitcher who likely could have aged well because yeah. he, he, he knew how to pitch pitch, not just live off of a, you know, a big fastball. And yeah. so there's, he's one uh-huh. priest Holmes is the other. Oh, uh, Priest Holmes, dude. Good name. Good name. So and honestly, I don't remember what happened to Priest Holmes, except that he went like back to back to back years with the Chiefs, just exploding every statistical measure. So 2000 total yards. Did He matter a rush for 2000 yards one year. I can't remember. I mean, he was just I think he did. He yeah, caught he did. like 70, 80 passes a year and then he just disappeared. And I think
1: it was a knee injury. But, Dude, what you're describing, there's a certain like subgenre of running back in the league that just has this, yeah, this freakish like three or four year span, and then they flame out. You know what I mean? And and I think part of that is a function of the position. Sometimes it's a, you know, a catastrophic injury of some kind. But I think I, mean, I think Holmes just, was another guy who I think he got his chance at like 26
0: or 27.
1: Oh, yeah, he was an undrafted free agent. And so I mean, he bounced around for a while.
0: And so he, you know, when he was doing all that, it was like at a running back's peak years, you know, those, those yeah. late 20s. And so if it was injury, then when he came back, he was 31 or 32. And that's, you know,
1: that's like 84 for a running back. Dude, it's crazy. And it really paints the, like, Ladanian Tomlinson, Adrian Peterson, Walter Payton-type career in a different light where you get these, like, gladiators who just string – 10 or 12 years of dominance together. And you're like, how does that even happen? You know, I mean, that's like a guy like alien activity who's who missed two full seasons, you know, one early in his career
0: and one late in his, you know, later in his career and came back stronger. And that's just, it's
1: insane. It really is, man. It really, really is. So I actually have, uh, I actually have a running back and a defensive lineman last on my list. The running back is Kijana Carter. Do you remember this guy? Yeah, Penn State, he, uh, I think he was, a, he was a Cy Young, or not the Cy Young, a Heisman winner, right? Yeah, and he was a number one overall pick to the Cincinnati Bengals. This was in the like the mid nineties, back when running backs still got picked high. And um I think he was a number one overall pick. First preseason game of his first year, uh, he blew his knee. And this was back when if you blew your knee, you were kind of like if not done, then then sort of done. And he was he was basically done after that. Um you know, I think he came back, played in a few games, but, um, but he, was, he was never uh, even a starter in the league anymore. So Kajana Carter is one. Uh, it would have been a, a fun thing to see a healthy career out of him. The other one is, uh, is near and dear to me, near and dear to uh, my adopted area of the Pacific Northwest. Steve Entman uh, was a defensive tackle from Washington, very dominant college career Huge neck roll. So, Steve Entman is in the neck roll Hall of Fame for me. He's first ballot, first ballot neck roll Hall of Fame. Um, dominant career at Washington, was drafted. I think he was a top five pick of the Indianapolis Colts. That was the year that they had Entman uh, and coriot that they picked it I think, in the first round together. And um, had a dominant rookie season. Then he had neck problems, knee problems, uh, a variety of surgeries, never really recovered. Uh, but I think he would have wrecked the league for a decade. He would have been a Dan Hampton. Steve McMichael, you know, interior mm-hmm. disruptor of a of a player, if he had stayed healthy, so he would have, he would have been the kind of guy that got like eight or nine sacks a year, you know, rushing against centers and guards, which is hard to do. So um, Steve Inman would have loved to have seen a long career. He was a, he was a personal favorite of mine. Like in the, in the high school years, yeah. I was a huge Inman guy. I
0: feel like there's I feel like there's a couple obvious ones that we should roll off just so listeners don't get mad at us. Um, oh sure, Bo Jackson absolutely he is absolutely. i mean he he's sort of the quintessential goes without saying because he was he was larger than life and then yeah. you know hip injury and he was gone um penny hardaway was okay. so yeah. penny penny and grant hill i had them both on my list cuz they were mm-hmm. They, they played at the same time. They were both these like 6'7", six, 6'8", six, multi-talented players kind of before that was a thing in the league. They If those guys had stayed healthy, the NBA might have reached where it is now like 10 years earlier.
1: Dude, absolutely. I was going to say that. Those guys were both like really good superstars too. So the other day I was trying to explain like the cultural impact of Penny Hardaway on my kids, um, to my kids rather. And, you know, I was trying to explain the commercials and the little Penny and – you know, this being kind of the burgeoning era of like the shoe superstar in the NBA, um, yeah. Pre pre injury, he was that guy. He he definitely would have been that guy. That's a that's a really good one.
0: Coaching at uh. Uh, University of Memphis now. Wish him yeah. luck. Former players don't always do well, but uh, that would be. I mean, that's that's where he came out of into the pros. So, and then the last one. I mean, there's a long list, but the last one that's incredibly obvious is Tiger Woods. Oh yeah, I mean, dude, that's interesting. People, Talk about that. Well, Tiger Woods. Uh You know he kind of fell off the 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 face of the earth after his very scandalous car crash golf club beating by who 's now <laughs> ex wife at that yeah. meaning meaning she whooped him right seemingly rightfully so given the details that came out later um right. but it was a knee injury that derailed him, not, yeah, not cause that's true he and he's never been the same like he's I and he, he's won some tournaments since then, but I don't think he's won a major since then. Maybe he came back and, and won one. Yeah. Or maybe he won it on the torn knee and then got it repaired. But I mean, he was he was far and away. The best golfer in history to that point in his career. And, Dude, and
1: yeah, and he had changed. He had changed the perception of golf. That's the thing. I think we talked about this on an old episode, but you've read the Tiger Woods book, right? Or you were going to read it? I haven't read it yet, no. I, yeah, was, I haven't yeah, read it either. I, I want but to, but... There's a lot in... I listened to a podcast on it, so I haven't read the book, but, I mean, there's a lot in there about how his weird, like, obsession with the Navy Seals, his yeah. weird workout habits. Like, he got too yoked up. I mean, there was an there was a time in which Tiger Woods looked like he could play middle linebacker for the Baltimore Ravens. You know, I mean, he was just jacked beyond belief, and it kind of... Screwed up his swing, screwed up his, you know, just the, the composition well, he, and he of his fired,
0: body. He fired the swing coach who he had through all of his successful years and tried to rebuild his swing. And I think, who was it? It was um, the long, Wright Thompson wrote this yeah. incredible long form piece. If you just Dude, search, that was so good, If you I just search, uh, listeners, yeah. if you just search Wright Thompson, Tiger Woods, you know, it's, I don't know, 12,000 words or something. And it's it's brilliant. But he talks about how it was. Like there's no reason for Woods to do that other than he was bored and wanted a new challenge. It's almost like if Michael yeah. J- Jordan had been like, you know what? I think I'm just going to be a lefty this year. Um, exactly. And it was so. It, was, it he. I mean, I remember in high school and college. Like I don't care at all about golf. I loosely yeah. pay attention Same. to it because I kind of follow all sports loosely, sure. but I would tune in to the Sunday round of majors because Tiger yeah. Woods was playing. I would tune in to watch the red shirt, the red Nike shirt, just sweep the field. Uh, and yeah, he I, was a rock star. He was dominant. I have not watched a round of golf since he stopped competing in majors. That's and, and, I, yeah. think, and no, I think and I think he did that to you. a lot of people like me. Mm-hmm.
1: So mm-hmm. he yeah
0: he he was that he I think he's sort of the quintessential like what might have been.
1: Oh, most definitely. And he brought a, a huge kind of new audience to the game of golf. And he sort of – he he was that bridge between, yeah, golfers being like kind of fat smokers and Sanzibelt slacks to, to being elite athletes. You know, he was the he was the guy that kind of ushered in that he, he transition. He put John
0: Daly out of business, let's say.
1: Yeah. Dude, so I'm glad you mentioned Wright Thompson. I'm a huge admirer, huge fan of, of Wright Thompson's work. Um, let's do this for our final like – you know, and I, I know we've been going for almost an hour, so we should we should wrap it up. But uh, instead of a book recommendation, let's let's answer this question. What sports writer's career would you want? So, I mean, if you oh, could if you man. could swap places, if you could have any sports writer's career, who would it be? Man, oh, man, that is that's a tough <laughs> Maybe that deserves its own. That might deserve its own segment, to
0: be honest. Yeah, I mean, the 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 quick answer yeah, let's make that a segment. Let's not do a let's quick do answer because that way we can talk about some different great ones. Plus, I want to put a little thought into it. But that's that's a really good question.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, okay, let, let's end with this. Favorite Wright Thompson long-form piece.
0: Let's see. Uh, he did one a few years ago on the racism that black <laughs> soccer players in Europe face interesting following I following i think it was i think it was some uh, it was soccer players of african origin who were playing i think they they played for the french national team i think but mm-hmm. were playing in italian leagues and you know just his ability to describe both the their the pressure on them their feelings the the pain that it caused them the fear and then the what it's like in those stadiums um yeah. That's the one that stands out to me. I think, I mean, the Tiger Woods one is probably, it's right up there as well. But yeah, I think, I, I don't even remember the name of the piece, but it was on it was on uh, racism in European soccer. Yeah, I'm going to
1: have to check that one out, Which, man, for it, sure.
0: So the reason that that, that that one stands out to me is because uh, I don't care about European soccer. And Wright yeah. Thompson is the kind of writer who makes me interested
1: in things I don't care about because that's how good he is. Dude, that's so true, man. So true. I think a great writer can make you care about about anything. And I think my favorite Wright Thompson piece is the one about Michael Jordan turning fifty. So this one dropped a couple of years ago. Yep. Um, in true Wright Thompson fashion, you know, it's long. Um, he spent some time with Jordan in uh, in Charlotte as Jordan was trying to, you know, uh, be a GM basically and 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 be a front office guy rather than you know, just being this dominant player. And and it was really like tinged with sadness because I mean, I think at the end of the day, Jordan is a player, you know, Jordan is a savage physical being. And for him to be behind a desk, you know, trying to make trades and trying to be the, you know, the front office guy was just not a, it was not a perfect fit. And I think at the heart of hearts, Jordan always wanted to play and he always wanted to, to dominate people in that way. So, uh, great read Wright thompson a great writer and pipe this has been a great podcast um i enjoy doing happy rant sports again hit us on patreon uh tell us that you like the program support us a little bit and we will keep putting those out there um piper i've done what i always do which is get to this point of the program and not have a name ready so um of all the names that we that we bandied about today what's who's our uh, who's our sign off name
0: Um, How about when we didn't bandy about
1: and it's another it's it's my favorite
0: all-time baseball player who's I I left him off to so as not to be a homer, but uh, his career
1: was cut short by injury and it's Kirby Puckett. Oh, curb. Absolutely. This has been the happy rant sports podcast. Thank you for listening. And until next time, Kirby Puckett. The happy rant is brought
0: to you by resonate recordings.